Welcome to the Healthy Rich Podcast, where we're talking with leaders and creators in finance, fintech, and beyond about how we can make money better for everyone. I'm your host, Dana Miranda, a personal finance educator and the founder of Healthy Rich, a platform for inclusive, budget-free financial education. My guest today is Sarah K. Peck, whose work I've been following from afar for a while, and it's such an honor to finally bring her into my orbit and have her as part of these early conversations for Healthy Rich. Sarah is the founder and CEO of Startup Parent and the host of the Startup Parent podcast, an award-winning podcast featuring women in entrepreneurship, business, and parenting. She writes about work, culture, and parenting, and her work has been featured in Forbes, Inc., Fast Company, The New York Times, Harvard Business Review, and more. Sarah, so nice to have you. I'm really glad um, to be able to continue our conversation today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So to remind you um, and also to catch anyone up to speed who was not able to make the panel that we had in April, um, we were talking about people who are left out of the um, conversation about money in general. And one thing that was coming up because it's a huge interest to me is the fact that entrepreneurship can be such a great um, avenue for people who are otherwise face discrimination or other barriers to traditional work. And so we were sort of talking about those barriers in entrepreneurship versus um, in the corporate world. And you kind of offhandedly said there's so much that you could say, for example, why corporate versus entrepreneurship is a kind of false binary. And I that stuck in my head. I wrote it down immediately. And I said, I want to continue this conversation and find out um, what more you have to say on that. So I so appreciate you, um, coming back for the podcast and continuing that conversation. Um, so let's start there. Why is corporate versus entrepreneurship binary thinking? Mm, Such a good question. Yeah. I'm uh, remembering the panel now and, and how much, you know, if you're a woman, if you're a parent, if you're a person of color, if you're a trans person, if you're like getting out of prison, if you have a federal record, all of these things can contribute to a lot of discrimination from the quote unquote corporate employer world and how challenging that could be for people. Um, and at some point, making your own job, making your own company, being an entrepreneur is the better path, is the easier path. Um, not that either path is easy. Let me just add that. Right. And one of the things I think that gets missed in this conversation is this idea that it's either corporate or it's entrepreneurship, like it's either or. And I spend a lot of time, you know, I run startup parent. So people who are building startups, building companies in the entrepreneurship world. One of the things that gets passed around a lot is like, ooh, corporate's bad. Be an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship is good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't want to be like, I'm never going to work for a corporation again. It's like quit mm-hmm. the nine to five. And And I always get so puzzled by that because if you're starting a business, you are eventually becoming a corporation, right? Like you might file as an LLC, a B Corp, an S Corp, whatever it is, and you may eventually hire people and then you are the big bad wolf that you've been fighting against. So I always find this so interesting because I think of it instead of this black and white binary thinking and binary is either or that's, mm-hmm. you know, what we mean by binary. It's like, you're either a girl or a boy, you're nothing else. Or um, it's either black or white, you're either vegetarian or you're not. And yeah. I think there's so much interesting space in that middle zone, where 
I'm going to use vegetarianism as an example, but let's say you eat 21 meals a week and you go from 21 meat eating meals to five. There's no conversation about the gradation that can happen of changing your diet or changing your thinking when it's not all or nothing. And you don't fail if you're a vegetarian or a meat eater. Like we don't, we don't need to assign judgment and we don't need to assign all or nothing. So when it comes to corporate versus entrepreneur, I look at it much more like a circle where you might be inside of the entrepreneurship or sorry, inside of the corporate world and also have a side hustle. You might do some freelance writing. You might do some consulting for people. There's another option where you might be an intrapreneur. You're creating new ideas and being entrepreneurial inside of an organization. You might be an entrepreneur that consults for corporations. You might be doing B2B work, which means business to business. Um, And you might be creating an entirely new product or service as an entrepreneur and standing up a business on your own. There's so many different flavors of business and uh, entrepreneurship and freelancer that I just, I just think this whole like, uh, <laughs> you know, big bad wolf of the corporate is, is sometimes uh, a, a misused metaphor. That's, yeah, that's great. I think that, so the point of Uh, Once we become freelancers or entrepreneurs of just sort of dismissing the corporate world and considering that the thing that we were trying to get out of this whole time and never want to go back to um, that a lot of people then consider going back to a full time job to be a failure too as an entrepreneur, where I think that for a lot of people sort of oscillating between the two or like you said, always having, um, I know several freelancers who will probably always have a full-time job and then freelance on the side, and maybe they'll start up a website of their own and have, so they're very entrepreneurial people, but aren't interested in running a full business that would represent their entire income. So the idea of just sort of creating that dichotomy and binary in our mind to where one is good and one is bad is probably really detrimental to a lot of people that could benefit from the gray area. Yes, I love that you said that. There's there's space. And I think, think about all of the businesses that wouldn't exist if you didn't have a job. Because there's so many businesses, I know craftspeople and sewing people and people who love cooking and people who love singing, right, that turn these into really interesting side hustles and projects. And let's say you make $30,000 a year selling swimsuits on the side because you design custom swimsuits and you make them and you sell them. You have an Etsy shop or a Shopify shop and it's so cool. And your job is part of what allows that. And you have no interest in becoming a full-time swimsuit designer or a full-time wedding photographer, but you love doing it on the side. I have a friend who did wedding photography on the side and she was able to take her $80,000 a year income closer to 110 because she made an extra 30K by doing photography on the weekends for 10 to 20 weddings. And I just think that's so cool to be Mm -hmm. able to think about them as a blend to figure out what works for you. And also a lot of people want to leave their job because they don't like their job and they make the assumption that entrepreneurship is going to be the be all end all, but they don't have any experience or data to back that up. And so you go out and you try entrepreneurship and you realize it's really hard. 
you might not like sales or marketing very much. You might not um, have the skills to set up a business. You may really struggle with time management, which people do. It's not, there's no failure of this. It's really hard to time manage when you're working for yourself. Yeah. Some people work all the time and never stop working and other people don't know how to prioritize the right things. And you may learn all of this and realize at the end of this one, two, whatever year experiment and say to yourself, wow, I really want a job. And that's not a failure, right? You've identified your skills, your strengths, what, where you work best, and you might find an amazing job and be like, I'm so glad to have teammates again. I'm so glad someone else is doing the strategy. I'm so glad someone else is doing the marketing and I'm so happy to have a paycheck, right? There's, there's space to, to learn and to, I don't know, find the strengths of all of the, the components of each. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually found, um, I hadn't thought of it that much um, in this way until kind of I heard you talking about it, that how much I pulled from my full-time job to be successful as an entrepreneur. And I have a really great like sample of before I had a full-time job, I was a freelancer and I just, what I call a starving freelancer, I was earning like $12,000 a year. And then I got a full-time job, worked for four years. And then when I went back to freelancing um, and then st and started starting my own business, um, I took all of those skills that I had learned about being an employee, the structure that I took from it was huge, understanding that like um, a lot of what I had read of people who like ditched the nine to five or left corporate America was about ditching the nine to five, like getting rid of that schedule. And what I realized was that I needed that in, yeah. in building my own business, I needed that structure. Um, and I think that there's a lot of talk about that in when you can control your own time, that the point of that is to ditch any amount of structure that, you know, uh, we might have learned from corporate America. Yeah. There's also all this fantasy. Um, you know, you look at Instagram and someone's like, I'm working from the beach and I don't know about you, but typing on a beach sucks. It's terrible. Like, <laughs> you know, you can't get a screen bright hurts. enough. Yeah. <laughs> the screen's not bright. You get sand in your keyboard. Yeah. You know, even just traveling, so much of it is, it is made to look really glamorous. And I, you try it for a little while and you realize that like hunting for Wi-Fi signals and never being able to rely on them is is a real challenge. Yes. Which isn't to dissuade people from, if you want to set up a business that is a lifestyle business or does... Uh, support you. Like, I don't want to work after 3pm most days, I like seeing my kids and I like having a break. Um, and so being able to design some days where I get to stop earlier is really cool. But like you, I also need some of the structure too. Yeah. And I love the phrase, um, designing your days. I've heard more of that recently and love that concept because it's more, uh, it's less about throwing the structure out the window and more about just creating the structure that can work for you, um, which I think can is exactly what you can do in sort of building a life around having a full-time job or part-time job or um, having, um, I did some work in service work while I was building my freelance career, like having that kind of balance too, um, but always kind of had this feeling like it was a failure when I had to go into a service job to make money, even though it was what supported me continuing That's to be great. a freelance writer. Um, and continuing to move my career forward. So I think that having this conversation more and more and people even just talking more about all of the ways that they earn income and all of the ways that they occupy their time while they're building a business is so valuable to hear 
just to get rid of that feeling of failure if you're not doing it a certain way. Yeah, agree. So much agree. Want more from Healthy Rich? On our website, you'll find stories that explore the ways money intersects with our culture and individual lives from writers whose voices you won't hear anywhere else in personal finance media. Soon, we'll launch live virtual classes to offer inclusive, budget-free financial education that makes money better for everyone. Be the first to know when we've got something new to offer by signing up for the Healthy Rich newsletter. Head over to healthyrich.co after the episode to join us in this new kind of conversation about money. And now, back to the show. Um, I don't know if you're a Shark Tank fan as an entrepreneur. Um, I, I've enjoyed it for 10 years and it's kind of my like cheesy um, primetime TV show, but they scold entrepreneurs on that show all the time for having a full-time job. And it's very frustrating They um, for you know not being committed. Often that'll be their reason for not making an investment is that they don't think the entrepreneur is in, uh, committed enough because they are still working a full-time job. So that I find really I frustrating. So bogus. I think that's absolutely absurd. Like there may come a time when you quit your job once you have traction, right? Right. I quit my job um, when I so I was getting paid fifty one thousand dollars a year at one of my early jobs, and I uh, was able to sell writing programs on the side. And the year that I made thirty thousand dollars in writing programs on the side is when I thought to myself, I wonder if I were able to spend all of my days on this if I would be able to double this. And I think, you know, going from just nights to being able to go into full days, I might be able to double this and do 60K or plus. Mm -hmm. My full-time job also offered me health insurance and a 401K and so many other benefits that it's really almost a a factor of two that you have to make up from your full-time salary to be able to support you. I, I just find it wild that, like, I would almost say the opposite if you put that much stress on your business to make enough money to support you and your family, you are instantly giving yourself a runway, like an end date. You have to make this much by the time your savings run out or it'll never work. And with a job, you actually have time and space to be able to build it at the pace that it needs to be built. So I would say that these Shark Tank guys, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's coming I, from a lot of privilege. I, I agree. And that's exactly what I see in it is the privilege. Because if you need an entrepreneur who's able to leave their job while they're starting a business, there's assumed privilege in that from the beginning. And there's a huge barrier for a lot of people who don't have a job where they were able to earn such a high income that they could have put aside a ton of money really quickly. Um, and or just have income from something else and they don't have to work um, for whatever reason. So it's, yeah, it's a lot of really assumed privilege and it seems like, yeah, just a huge, (laughs) huge failure. um, It also, it also is binary thinking. Like we were talking about at the beginning, which is uh, you either have a job or you don't. And I like, there's so many things that I think are missing. Um, from this, which is number one, you can negotiate with your employer. You can say, hey, I am working on a book. I'm taking a class. I'm doing a side project, whatever it is. Can I work four days a week? Can I work three days a week? I'd like to go to part time, right? There's so It's not all or nothing. This like on or off switch is such an interesting phrase. Also quitting your job. So much is implied there where it's like, I'm quitting. I'm leaving. I'm burning down this bridge. I'm never working yes. with them again. And 
I just think that's such a lost opportunity because your employer, if you have a great relationship with your employer, they can become one of your first clients, right? You can turn to them and say, hey, I'm starting this new business and I really love what I do and I really love working with you. Um, can we go move from employer to consulting relationship? Can I continue to support you in a couple of ways? I can send you my consulting packages. I see so many people burn bridges with this corporate versus entrepreneurship thinking and these are important relationships. Like these are people, these are clients, these are leads, these are mentors. So I still um, learn so much from some of my first uh, bosses and respect mm -hmm. them so much. And I'm so like, when they knew I was going to take an entrepreneurship path, I could see their eyes light up because they too wanted had side projects and dreams. And it was just such a fun place to connect as humans. Yeah, that's so wonderful. It is it is a nice move to I um, my former employer is also another one of my big clients and that has continued for years now. And it is nice to move into a position of connecting a little more as humans, um, as I'm running a business and you're part of a business and we're now we're just collaborating on a project. Um, and able to just sort of have conversations instead of every time we have a conversation, there's all this weight of like my entire income and my health insurance. And if you have a family, the health insurance for your family and yep. retirement savings and everything that comes with that you put into an employer. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point, too. And that's another place where the binary thinking holds people back. Yeah, just right. makes you kind of it feels, again, it makes you feel like a failure or like you haven't quite stepped out enough if you continue working with that client. My advice so often <laughs> to people is like, keep that job as long as you can. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, as long as, it, as long as it was something you enjoyed. That's right. That's yeah. right. As long as it's not sucking your soul, yes. right? And crushing your spirit. There are, jo there are toxic jobs and toxic bosses that you need to leave and mm -hmm. it's better to quit. I don't want to go so far in saying like everyone should keep their job. But if you have a job that you like that pays you money, I think one of the strongest positions to be in is to have a job and a side hustle. You do have to check the laws of your state or your country because there are some states that basically take uh, if you're work at a corporation, the corporation owns everything you do, even outside of your job. I don't know if people know this listening, but like if I you're wasn't an engineer, aware of that just as like a oh, overarching state law, I was not aware of it. I've seen contracts that include that. Not a state law. Well, so it's like it depends on what state mm -hmm. um, has what protections for which corporations. But like in California, if you're an engineer or you're a tech worker, if you work on tech projects on the side or you work on engineering projects on the side, it's still the property of the corporation. Mm -hmm. Because when you sign that contract, all inventions and innovations that you make while being under their employment. So check and make sure that you are like in the in the solid for being able to have a side project. But if you're if you have a knitting project, if you have a photography business, also check with your boss, right? Get an owners and inventions um, clause, get an addendum, like get an appendix sign to say, hey, I started working on this before we joined here, and this is something I do on the side. But once that is all taken care of um, and you have those that you you've checked your you've dotted your I's, you've crossed your T's and you checked all the things, having a job and a side hustle puts you in a different tax bracket in the United States. You can write off a whole lot more. You can get a whole mm -hmm. lot more income um, and it's protection against recessions. It's protection against the fickleness of different economies and industries like 
We are seeing a ton of layoffs right now in the tech world and actually across the board in a lot of different industries. And how much worse is it to be out of a job and starting from scratch than to be like kind of, you know, keeping a couple of things on two different burners. You've got one on low and you've got one on medium and like you're going to have a good dinner because of it. Right. And that side hustle, you can just turn up the dial at any moment yeah. if you need to That's or right. want to. Um, I also I want to go back to what you were talking about negotiating with your employer, too. I think there's not enough conversation about that. And I hope that with the power shift that we're hopefully seeing um, towards workers, that we will get more creative in the ways that we're willing to negotiate with employers like that, um, the things that we're willing to ask for. I know for a long time, it just seemed scary to ask for any amount of flexibility because people felt replaceable. But we may be at a moment where people are not feeling as replaceable and actually the, the power is in your hands as a worker. Um, so ask for what you want. Um, and I have seen people do it too. There's a, again, a lot of privilege. I think it's a lot of knowledge workers are able to have that amount of flexibility um, to continue with like a full-time salary, but go down to four days a week or something um, or to, to shift to something more part-time, but still keep their job. But if you are providing value to your employer and enjoy doing the job, but need some more, a little bit more room to do something else, um, I would definitely encourage people to start having those conversations. And I want to hear more stories about it. I want to hear more success stories or more just experiences of people who have done that. That's, it's such a good point. I, I even would encourage people even during downturns and even during times when the labor market isn't as strong in the power that it is at this moment in time, you can still ask in the way that I frame those negotiations is um, always frame it in the benefit to the employer, not to yourself. They don't care about you as much mm -hmm. as we would hope. Uh, but it, if you can say, hey, I want to do a four-day work week because here are all the things that I've seen on productivity, and this is the amount of time I would save commuting, and these are the results that I want to get for you as a company in my job, and we can track them and make sure that I'm still hitting them. I think this is going to be a benefit. There are ways to position it and just show the value to them, like show them how much more money and innovation they're going to get, not the fact that you get to sleep in on Friday, which is also rad. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true. I do appreciate that so many studies are coming out that are really showing positive effects of flexibility. Um, yeah. That's, I, I think a lot of us probably knew that intuitively, but it's good to see the science behind it so that we have that kind of ammo going into those conversations. It would be nice to have companies or at least bosses um, who are able to just see the human needs that you have for that flexibility and to start the conversation there. But it's also good to be armed with um, with the statistics and, and the facts that show that it actually is, is a huge improvement for the company too. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your um, past or current experience kind of with this um, difference between um, entrepreneurship and working in the corporate world? What's your journey been and what has that kind of been like emotionally making that shift? Sure. I mean, the older I get, the longer it feels like it, the story takes. So I'll try <laughs> to do sense. it concisely. <laughs> um, 
But I, so I, I have worked 30 or more jobs. I once made a list of all of the different jobs that I've worked and I've worked everywhere. I also started working when I was 14, um, lifeguarding, babysitting, but also retail. I worked retail in um, high school and then in college I worked across a number of different paths. And after college, I started, after graduate school, I started working at a design firm. So I worked at a design firm. I worked there for five years. I won a fellowship to do an entrepreneurial project. And so it was a small business, but in a corporate style. They had seven different offices around the world. Can you talk um, a little bit I, more about that for people who aren't familiar with the yeah. idea of entrepreneurship, what that means for the employee and the company? Yeah, absolutely. So they established a fellowship program to for it was a design firm and they wanted to encourage new ideas and new innovation and new design thinking. And so every year the staff and the associates, but not the principals, could apply for fellowship, this fellowship. And it was a summer long project, I believe it was summer where you got to pursue a project of your own and design and create something. And they awarded 10 fellowships the year that I was there. And it was so cool. They had this whole presentation at the end of the summer mm -hmm. uh, to show, you know, when you're working in a design firm and you have all of these corporate um, clients that want a new paver, a new storefront, a new street, like it's like kind of, I don't want to say your standard, but it's just like the yeah. projects are not always as exciting as you mm -hmm. want them to be because you're fulfilling a lot of real needs in the world, but you're like another park, like, it's just, right. you know, you're just going through the kind of the standard stuff. And part of you wants to design, like, what would it look like to build a building that had no edges? What would it look like to build a, like a spherical something or other? What would it look like? So to tap into that side of your creativity is really cool. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. Um, and after the fellowship, they created a new position at the company specifically for the, the project that I worked on was all about communications, design communication. So how do we talk about all of these things that we want to build in the world? Because designers are some of the most brilliant people I've seen and they would struggle a little bit with the language. How do you translate the design into words mm -hmm. to share the ideas that you have? Oh, I love that. And I ended I'm up getting obsessed with this <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up being a communications um, specialist in this company to help people translate their ideas, to help persuade, to build the stories behind the ideas. And it was a new job uh, that had never been done before, at least in that particular sense, at this particular era. Mm -hmm. And I took on a lot of interesting projects like, what are we going to do about social media? Because this was right when companies were trying to figure out, like, should we be on Facebook? And the senior level leaders were like, no, the Facebook is not a business thing. Facebook is like a personal thing. So there's a lot of experiments that I got to play around with over the next two years about what this looks like. I ended up teaching for General Assembly and for Skillshare. I did my own project where I read 80 storytelling and communications books about how to talk about what, what it is that we do and how to tell great stories. And After I started teaching, I started teaching writing programs online to share what I knew. And that's what led me to become a freelancer in the writing and teaching space. Oh, that's fantastic. I That really is. I can see why you have this understanding of the fluidness 
between employment and entrepreneurship because that really kind of exemplifies it for sure. It's um, true. Yeah. I think that's such a great model for businesses to keep in mind as well. The innovation that comes out of encouraging an entrepreneurial mindset and hiring people with an entrepreneurial mindset as well. Um, I think a lot of people are afraid to lose employees by, you know, hiring entrepreneurial people or encouraging entrepreneurship um, because a lot of times people step out of those roles and that might happen. But I think it's in order to move your business forward and do the best for, you know, your business and the people that you work with, that it's, it's probably just something you have to be prepared for and just build that in. But yeah, I love, um, I love that you're, did you have, did you think of yourself as entrepreneurial before that fellowship or was that something that sparked it for you? You know, looking back, you can always connect the dots in a way that you don't connect them when you're going through it. And I do not, I didn't, I don't really think I thought of myself as an entrepreneur in the, in the strictest sense of the term. Like it, it wasn't something that I resonated with, but I have always been making things up and building things. Like I used to build these little contraptions when I was a kid. I used to like MacGyver things and figure things out. I started, I mean, I was seven and I started a business telling people their lawns needed to be weeded and that I would like take care of their lawn manicuring. And my mom was like, this girl is running around with her red wagon telling all the neighbors <laughs> that their guards are ugly, you know? <laughs> and I made cookies and I parked, I like, I was like, oh, I bet if I sell cookies in the lemonade stand right outside of this business at lunch hours, I'll make a lot of money. And I did. Oh, that's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. So like, it's been in there, this creativity, I think of it more as creativity mm -hmm. than entrepreneurship. Um, but now looking back, I can see that it's always been there. And I, I think that everyone has the potential. I, like, I know some people think that you're either born an entrepreneur or you're not. But I think learning and creating and playing are hardwired into humans. I think it's part of who we are. It's just that many of us lose touch because we get it kind of beat out of us by our education system and yeah. the more, more boring corporate world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I love your um, kind of inadvertent definition of an entrepreneur as just someone who makes things up and builds things. I think that's a very wonderful way of thinking of it. Um, and in that way, I think that it, it becomes a lot more accessible for people too, especially if you don't think of it as one or the other, that a lot of what keeps very creative people from exploring any opportunity to build something, um, sort of pursuing something like that is probably the fear of running a business or the desire not to run a business. Um, or the fear of, of failure in something like that. Um, but if you think of it as something that you can do on the side of a job as part of your job or kind of anywhere in between, I think that opens up a lot of possibilities for a lot more creativity and innovation in people's lives. There's, I forget who said it. I think it's Brendan Bayshore is his name. You have to check that. But there's this quote that I love, which is, it's um, all businesses are just loosely functioning disasters. Okay. That makes yeah. Like, <laughs> like I think there's sometimes you think, ah, oh, like building a business is so hard. There's so much work. Like mm -hmm. it, everyone else has their stuff together. Like they all know how to do this. I don't know how, how to do any of this. Nobody knows how to do it. No. We are all looking it up day in and day out and like, huh, what's this? Who do I need to hire? How do I fix this? That broke. So all businesses <laughs> are just kind of a disaster. And if you, uh, 
if you have enough gumption to figure things out, you can, you can, you welcome to the club. We're all here with you. Yes. You just have to keep it moving forward. I don't know if this has been your experience, but as I get older and I'm now the age that adults used to be when I thought everyone had everything together, that it's like people running the government, people running the biggest corporations, like everyone is just Googling things as the question, as questions come up. everyone's just saying one step ahead of every problem. (laughs) When I look at like government failures and and other things, I'm like, oh my God, I hated group projects when I was little. And this is all just one terrible group project. Yeah, Like we're never going (laughs) to escape this awful group project. But what that says is also like, we're all in it working on this group project. And you can't just trust all these other adults to figure out. Sometimes you're like, okay, I've got to make this part work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah step in and and make the contribution that you can make. Yeah, for sure. Um, So to wrap up, what entrepreneurial strengths, since we all have them inside of us, um, if somebody does prefer to stay with the company, but wants to make use of that, um, what entrepreneurial strengths do you think can help someone thrive in employment and, and how might they be able to nurture those? I love this question because I think the skills that you get from a job and the skills you get from an entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur, like both of them are really valuable to the other. It's not, um, you're not isolated from either one. And I think if you're an entrepreneur and you're going into the employment world, like you're getting a job again, you are going to have the skills of figuring things out on your own, um, diving in, diving in and taking ownership over the whole process. Cause when you run your own you know, thing, no one else is coming to save you. It's like, it's like, oh, this isn't, you know, in, in the corporate world, you can start to be like, this isn't my problem. This is someone else's problem to fix. Yes. When you're an entrepreneur, it's all your problem, right? So you get that skill of taking ownership over the process and diving in and doing what needs to be done. I think you can also get really um, savvy and scrappy in your creative thinking. I do a lot of A-B testing. I do a lot of MVP, minimum viable product. You can think more leanly because you don't have a big budget behind you. You say, okay, what's the quickest way we can learn whether or not this is working? And those skills are incredibly useful for an employer. Mm -hmm. If you're a boss and you're hiring someone that says, we can figure this out, I've got it. Like, uh, let me see what we can learn. I'm gonna try this, this, and this, and I'll report back to you. It is, oh, it's a dream when you're hiring someone. Because it's such a pain to hire someone that's like, oh, I don't know. I didn't try that because I just didn't know if I should do that. Right. You're like, Like, help. (laughs) I've been waiting for you to Uh, solve this problem for three weeks. And now I found out that no progress was made. Totally. And I think there's a little complacency there when Mm -hmm. you have a boss. Sometimes you can just be like, well, I don't know. They'll figure it out and they'll tell me what to do. When really 90% of bosses out there, I I don't know what number, but a lot of bosses out there are going to be like, Hi, I'm hiring you to figure out how to get more people. I have no idea how to do it. Please try, you know, anything right. and tell me what works. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I That's um, just the scrappiness, I think, is big. I, I can imagine also, though, getting into a, and I haven't actually worked in this environment, but getting into a very big corporation where everything moves very slowly and there's a lot of red tape to everything and a lot of barriers to everything the frustration of, uh, that you come up against when you were, um, especially if you have worked for yourself of being able to just make decisions and make it happen quickly. 
of seeing all the steps that something has to go through when you're working with a company that has thousands of employees and multiple departments and some people based in you know different countries and different states that you have to run everything by for every decision that gets made. Um, but if you can, if you can weather it, then the skills that you have from that are still very useful. And probably the, the scrappiness that you have to get around those types of systems, because certainly you, you do deal with a lot of red tape and archaic systems as an entrepreneur as well. And we do a lot of things to get around those. So I think those big, big corporations, it can be a challenge. And the questions then around taking that job are, how's my direct boss? How's my team? And do I enjoy the skill set that I have to solve the problems in this team, right? Because if you're trying to change the system from within a tiny team and a massive organization, then just, it's going to be infuriating. Mm -hmm. If they haven't hired you for that, then that can just be really maddening to be like, wait, I have to get approval for all of this. Yeah. Um, but there are some companies, you know, there's the IBMs and the Fords and the Amazons. There's so many companies too, where I have friends that love the teams that they're on, that love being on these like really innovative teams and love their peers that they're working with. So it's just going to, that's going to depend more on the specific project skill set and team that you're on. That's a great point that looking at, even if it's not something that's necessarily supported or facilitated by the company itself, that you can find that creativity and room for innovation within the team if you're surrounded by the right people. So to, how important it is to f make sure that you're part of the right team. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for, again, continuing this conversation with me. I love this. Um, every time I talk to you, you say something that makes me want to go down an entire other <laughs> rabbit hole and see, like, I'm very, very interested in design communications now. So if you have that work anywhere, I'd love to check it out. Um, but is there is there anything else you want to share um, to leave us with today? That's so cool. Uh, I haven't thought about it in a while. I'm sure there's stuff like in the uh, entrails of the web that are, you know, my portfolios <laughs> from 10 and 20 years ago. Um, no, I, I run a company now called Startup Parent, and it's a real pleasure. I work with entrepreneurs that are navigating motherhood. Um, we have this private Slack room called Founders with Kids. So we specifically talk about those questions of like, so what does your schedule look like? How many work hours do you have? And it's just, it's really nice to be in the presence of other entrepreneurs who are figuring it out. Um, and I have a podcast that has been a real pleasure to make. We took this year off, but we're going to bring it back in the fall and it's the startup parent podcast. And, uh, yeah, just, I like nerding out in deep conversation at, like you, I like following yes. the rabbit hole. So <laughs> if you like long form curiosity podcasts with really interesting people, you're welcome to come hang out at startup parent. Even if you're not a parent, I have plenty of people that are like, I don't think I'm ever going to have kids, but I still like this podcast and I learned so much about parenting also. So now I know what my friends go through. Yeah, exactly. I would, I would encourage everyone. I'm happily child-free and intend to remain that way. And I love following the work you do. Um, and you're, um, just following you personally on Instagram and seeing your life as a parent. It's a fascinating thing as a non-parent. Totally. Um, and yeah, I, I learned so much just about being a human. So I really enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to your podcast coming back too, because I've heard a few things from the archive and, and miss it. So 
Yeah, it's a fun one. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's hard to define your audience as mothers and then be like, but but come join us. Like, right. this is not an exclusive club. Like, this we don't want to hide mothers from society because like they they actually matter. Um, plus, I like reminding people that I'm defined by more than just motherhood, which is a huge part of it. You know, mm-hmm. newsflash: still a person likes doing other things. <laughs> yes, that is very hard to remember from the outside, and probably personally Thanks. sometimes too. Yeah. So (laughs) thanks so much for having me. This is great. Thank you so much, Sarah. Do you know someone who could use a broader perspective on work and money? Share this episode to invite them into the conversation. Head to healthyrich.co for more information from today's episode. And while you're there, sign up for the Healthy Rich newsletter to be the first to know when we drop something new. And remember our motto, work should be fun and money should be easy. Thank you for being part of our quest to make money better for everyone.